Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors, take care of business as they should, really. Um, it doesn't really matter what state the Raptors are in. Um, obviously, losing badly in their last two games. When you face Orlando Magic, you do not play with your food, and the Raptors did not do that. Raptors win by a score of 121 to 108. It was the type of performance where it's hard to find many critiques of the team. Um, it wasn't like the Raptors performed great across the board, but there were no issues, especially for the starting five. They were able to come in and, you know, the main guys for you, those being Pascal, Scotty, OG, Fred, all those guys played their roles really well. And the Raptors were able to get the, the job done. Like it wasn't even in doubt. You know, if, if anything, it was like a reverse of some of the other games where, you know, the Raptors were able to jump out to that first quarter lead, um, leading by 36 to 22 and just kind of maintain that comfortable momentum throughout the game. I mean, like, at no point did Orlando even really threaten to come back. The Raptors could score fairly easily. And, yeah, when the Raptors put their bench in, it didn't look good. I mean, like, the, the fact that everybody on the bench, outside of Wancho and, and Kem, who played sparingly in the first half, but everybody on the bench was like a minus 12 to minus 17. Um, you know, that's a bit strange in a game that you obviously were able to dominate. But... At the same time, when the starters were rolling like that for you, it's uh, it was quite easy. And, you know, I, I think there was quite a bit of talk, quite a bit of uh, anxiety coming into this game. Um, the Raptors getting in, you know, very late, second half of back-to-back, landing around 2 o'clock uh, in the morning, and you just wonder, okay, so is the team going to respond, right? Because you would have thought that, okay, that New Orleans game, you really, really no-show, you go to Brooklyn, that would have been the game you respond, but clearly they didn't respond in that game. And obviously there were... There, there were uh, you know, they made the comeback, I guess, but ultimately you can't fall down 36 points in the first place. So second night of that against a team like Orlando, who, you know, when you look ahead to the schedule, there are some tougher teams coming up. The Celtics, the Lakers, like, you know, the Lakers are playing better. The Celtics are playing in the best basketball in the league. Like, you need to make sure that you take this game against Orlando, who are now 1-11 and away from home. Um, so you thought the Raptors' road record was bad. Well, 1-11 and is is <laughs> – that's it's almost as bad as it's going to get, literally. But so – um. You needed to do it. And, you know, despite all that, though, there was still some anxiety because we've seen the Raptors start poorly. But tonight we saw them come out and it was apparent from the jump that it was going to be uh, a game where the Raptors were going to control. Not only because of the fact that they played hard, but just Orlando is just so. I mean, the Raptors are going to play Orlando a few more times here. So, you know, we'll see. I think probably they'll come back with a more motivated effort or maybe they're tougher at home or whatever. But, like, they're. They're just such a young team. They make consistently, they make young mistakes. Raptors are able to get steals off of these guys. A lot of loose ball handlers, a lot of guys who aren't prepared to to handle not even just the double teams the Raptors throw at them, but also the amount of ball pressure that a guy like Fred, that a guy like OG, Scotty, Pascal, you know, were throwing at these guys. And, and the Raptors are able to jump on them from the start. Like, you know, if Fred gets a steal to start the game, then he feeds it inside to OG in the post. OG throws a bounce pass to Coloco for a dunk cutting behind the defense, you know, um, you know, then OG gets in the mid range, pulls up for a jumper. Then Scotty high, low feed to OG down low dunking. And there was just a lot of OG dunking like th- this game. OG finished with 32 points, right? So season high, not a career high um, career high, is still 36 uh, back in the garden last year. Um, but in this game, the magic just didn't have anyone to physically contend with OG, you know, and you would have thought, well, Orlando does have a lot of length down low. Maybe they do something. The funny thing I was watching this game was even though the Magic have 
all this size on the perimeter, they just didn't help, period. Like, there was so little help defense at the rim. Sometimes Bull Bull will come over and block you, right? But other than that, there's just is so little help defense. Mo Wagner tries to sneak in there for little charges. He was late on a three or four of those tonight. So a lot of those are just and ones for the Raptors, including OG, who got through him for, for a pair of and ones. Um, Bancaro was not putting up any resistance defensively. And, and, and for a guy who is the leading candidate for rookie of the year, who has been scoring very efficiently, who's well, not, well, not efficiently, but at a high volume, who has used his size physically to dominate some matchups, even as a rookie, which is super impressive, running into OG. I mean, Paolo Bancaro, nine points on two of eight shooting, uh, and, and it couldn't really get anywhere uh, against OG tonight. Uh, and then on the other end, Bancaro, who's a pretty physical player, refused to sort of like match up against OG and his strength. And so it, it was a uh, it was dominance at that position, um, you know, between OG and Paolo. And on the other front, obviously, you got Pascal, who's going to consistently score. I mean, like he got matched up with Bol Bol. Everyone who got matched up with Bol Bol didn't immediately go at him. Everyone just kind of like backed out for a second and just thought, hmm. What am I supposed to do here? Because it's such a unique matchup, right? We're talking about a guy who's like seven foot four and he's got ridiculously long arms and it's actually quite mobile for a guy who's that large. Um, and so guys were trying to size him up and figure out what to do. The Pascal does that, goes to the spin move. It, you know, it works every time. You know, he scores a layup easy. Uh, and then I think the most promising thing to me from this game was just seeing how engaged Scotty was. Like, I, there's been so much conversation about Scotty, you know, uh, just up and down, like not even just us in the media, but also like, you know, the Nick's been asked about it quite a bit and Nick's talked about it quite a bit and, and his teammates have talked about it. Like it's just been a big point of conversation, which Scotty Barnes going to get. And this was very similar to the Scotty Barnes we got last season. Right now, of course, uh, you could look at the box score and say, you know, eight of 10 from the field, including, by the way, a perfect uh, eight for eight on two point range. The only two shots he missed were both from three, um, you know, that's great to see, but the rebounding, the assists, the steals, the blocks, like I think it was just an overall a much more energetic and much more engaged approach from Scotty, who, you know, was able to to sort of impose himself. I think he found some post mismatches. You know, this reminded me a lot of games last season where he was able to identify, you know, where he could post up against or which matchups he can physically uh you know push around, like literally push around. And, you know, I think last season there was a game against Washington where he kept getting matched up against uh, um, Corey Kispert, right? And, and so he was able to constantly post him up and, you know, did that repeatedly. You know, we've, we've seen games of Scotty where he's able to sort of impose his will. And today the matchup for, that Scotty really liked was, was Caleb Houston or, or Houston, um, where, you know, he just wasn't able to hold Scotty from getting to his spots. And so... And you take that and compare it to the fact that Orlando just doesn't send help defense, or at least they just didn't play any today. Uh, quite the contrast between how the Raptors played and how Orlando played defensively. Um, when you when you compare and contrast that, like it, it was real easy for Scotty to get to his spots, and he was looking to get to those. He was aggressive. He pushed the pace in transition. His rebounding was strong. You hear some ovations in the background. It's uh, a lot of fans have stuck around to see Bull Bull come back onto the court. Uh, so so happy for for. Uh, for those fans getting to see Bull Bull, who, you know, is something of an internet sensation. And he played really well tonight. I'm going to get to the section on Bull Bull later on in the show. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, your main guys were playing really well for you. OG was scoring at the rim all the time. Pascal was, you know, doing point forward things. Came up two rebounds shy of a triple-double. 
Scotty was, you know, was super active, 17 and 14. Uh, and then I thought Fred, out of the four, I mean, definitely performed the, the you know, the least effectively. I thought his pressure on the ball was strong. Uh, but he was struggling to find a shot. I mean, like, first half, he didn't really even look for it that much. But, like, it's just he it wasn't really there for him. I mean, when he got a couple open opportunities, he was missing those. Um, and I think that was, to me, probably the, the fly in the ointment of, like, okay, we got everyone on track. Can we get Fred there? And, he, you know, one time he tried to go, you know, ISO on ball ball. Again, it wasn't even like he was trying to ISO because he wasn't trying to force a shot in this game. But it was one of those scenarios where it's late shot clock. You got to switch on a guy. And it is supposed to be a mismatch in terms of just, like, the – I mean, Bull might be twice as tall as Fred when, when he puts his hands up. Like, it's it's that kind of stuff. And so he couldn't really get by, and he gets blocked. Luckily, Fred was able to steal it back. Um, so, you know, whatever. That possession didn't really go anywhere. But, you know, he couldn't get that done. Um, you know, he had an open three. He couldn't knock it down. Uh, he got stripped at half court against a trap by Orlando. Like, you know, it, there were some struggles there. But I think second half, Fred was able to get his offense going a little bit more. He was able to knock down a three, you know, on a two-for-one scenario. Uh, you know, F- Pascal was able to kick it opposite court to to uh, to, f- to Fred for a corner three. And, and you know, even he started going. And I thought the start of the third quarter, he, you know, he opened it up with a three-pointer to start. And, and he made a couple more plays, you know, stole the ball off Paolo Camber- uh, uh, Bancaro. And then fouled a uh, throw it up ahead to Pascal, who got fouled in transition. So there were good plays from pretty much your top four guys. But, um, you know, it, it just was clear that it was going to be one of those easier games. And, and you know, that's where I just don't want the team to relax too much. I mean, obviously relax in the sense of, the, like, um, you know, all the heat that they faced of late. Obviously, they've been playing really poorly. There's a lot of tension around the team. The locker room is not really happy and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, uh, there's obviously got to be a break from that. However... Um, I think the the good thing is that, you know, you were able to sort of get yourself back in the win column, but you can't relax too much. Like, it's very clear that the Magic just weren't ready to play. Maybe that's just where the Magic are all season. I haven't watched them that much, you know, and to be honest, I think based on this performance, I'll kind of keep it that way. But, like, you know, you know, like, like this is this is not a normal night. And so when you go see the Celtics on Monday and when you sort of play host to the Lakers, uh, later in the week, like you're gonna need to be much more focused. Like it's gonna be a battle. Like it's it's not gonna be as easy as this game. This game was, all due respect, but like a, a real walk in the park to the point where you knew exactly how this was, this game was gonna go at the start of the game. And so on that front, you know, like I think guys can feel pretty good about the way they played, and and, and I think obviously, um, you know, enjoy the 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 festivities of the weekend, and you know. Um, at least, like, reset the vibes just a little bit. Again, like, it's it's hard to say that people live, like, moment to moment. But I, I think at the same time, when you're, like, in a professional sporting environment, like, it's so hard for people to sort of stay, you know, uh, you know, one game at a time, like, level-headed kind of approach. Like, it's always going to be things where if you don't play well, there's there's a bad vibe. And then you play well, you know, the vibe's back and all that kind of stuff. But um, they played well tonight. And I think they should really, you know, uh, feel some 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 joy and some calm in that while also acknowledging the fact that there's still a lot of work for this team to do. And, you know, I think for me, it's looking at the starting five, like, you know, this is the first game, I think in 10 games where Nick Nurse used the same starting five. Now, of course, this isn't all, this isn't all on him, right? Obviously, we've had guys injured in and out of the lineup. So, you know, lineups are going to adjust. But first time in 11 games where the Raptors were able to run back-to-back starting lineups with Christian in the middle. And I thought, 
you know, for me, Christians just gets slapped with these really weak foul calls all the time. And, uh, you know, it was annoying to see it kind of limited his playing time. It forced Ken Birch to play a little bit in the first half. Um, but, you know, I, I thought he provided some decent, you know, shot blocking down low, some, some, um, some, some strong rebounding. And he contested every shot. Like sometimes he got into some posters for bowl bowl. So what? Like your job is to go out there and contest everything, you know, use your six fouls, contest the shots, you know, uh, rebound the ball as much as possible and then finish a couple of layups. And he was able to do that here tonight. So, you know, he, I think complimented the starting group well, but to be honest, he could have put anybody around those, um, those other four and, and they would have done really well tonight. Like, um, I think when OG is in that mood scoring wise, it, it is really enjoyable to see. Again, a lot of his buckets came within the offense. It wasn't really like a lot of resistance from the magic and he had a size advantage every single time. And there was no help uh, at the rim. Like I would say 80% of the time on OG's plays, but at the same time, I love seeing his aggressiveness in this game. You know, it's kind of a reminder that like, even though, you know, Pascal's back and, 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 you know, Fred's looking for his, his, you know, offense to get going again. And Scotty's looking for his offense to, to stay consistent, you know, like you just still look for OG within the grand scheme of things. Like he took a lot of tangible steps forward and, you know, to just go away from that and, and to reemphasize everything else. It, it's understandable, right? Because that's what the order used to be. But I think with OG playing in a really nice rhythm and when he's looking for his offense, when he's getting those early seals in transition, when he's able to, you know, drive past his man and and, and, and uh, draw this help defender and so he can dump off to the, to the next guy. Like, it's a lot of stuff here that you really like to see from OG. Plus the fact that he was so efficient and he played really aggressive defense. Like, he was still getting his own scoring going late in the game just based off stealing the ball and pushing the break and you know this is the game where it was so relaxed that at one point OJ Anobi went up for a 360 dunk in transition and it ultimately got blocked by Bull Bull who actually made a really nice hustle play to recover on the on the play I think it took him three steps to cover the length from uh the three the, the half court line to, to to blocking OG at the rim but like that was how easy it came for OG tonight, and that was probably the only inefficient shot that he took. And honestly, who cares? Like, like you know, this is this is the kind of feel good night where you should indulge yourself a little bit, especially when OG's having such a great night. And it was nice to see them continuously look for OG. Um, you know, I thought, uh, yeah, he he was also getting his own offense with the putbacks, the transitions. You know, Scotty looking for him, Fred looking for him, Pascal looking for him, and it's easy, right? For, for those guys, it's easy. Like for Fred. I think he wants to be in the playmaker role. Like he doesn't, he's not looking to be taking all these shots. And to be honest, a lot of these are like late shot clock scenarios where you give the ball back to your point guard and he's got to create something out of nothing. This doesn't excuse the fact that he didn't shoot a high percentage. Once again, four of 11 from the field. Um, But at the same time though, like, you know, it's easier when they can go to an OG. They know that Pascal can create for himself. He can also finish. And then Scotty in this game, I just thought was just like really involved. Right. I, I think, you know, that's been the thing that's with him. It's just like, um, his what makes him special isn't necessarily just the skill set, right? The skill set is all right. Like we know that the skill set will continue to be all right until he continues to improve his game and work on it and, and put in countless hours in the offseason. And, you know, eventually when he does that, like if the game will be improved and he'll be better on that front and, and you know, um, emphasize the skill portion of his game more. But I think what really makes Scotty special is his energy, the way he's able to use his physique, uh, you know, identify mismatches but also be really unselfish with his passing and and he made a lot of nice passes here tonight um get on the glass and you know it it turned from a game where you looked at orlando and you're like well this could be a tricky matchup because they got a big front court paolo 610 wagner 68 
the other Wagner brother is like 6'11. Bull Bull is look honestly watching Bull Bull in person, it looks like he's eight feet tall. Like he doesn't look like just anybody else out there. It's again, I'm I'm very fascinated by Bull Bull uh, based on tonight's performance. And even Fultz at point guard is quite long. And then they bring like wings off the bench. Like the Magic are one of these teams that are trying to do what the Raptors are doing with like these supersized jumbo wing athletes. And so you might you want you might have thought, well. You know what? Could could they give you some issues uh, on on the uh, on the glass? Can they you know plug the paint? Luckily, they didn't really have any effort defensively to plug the paint. Um, but I think the Raptors also did a really good job controlling the glass themselves. And the big portion of that was Scotty. Like obviously Pascal helps you with the defensive rebounding, but OG was at the top of the floor most times, looking to leak out. You know, um, Coloco was mostly coming over to contest the shot. And then Fred is small, right? So, like, you really need somebody to clean up the glass for you. And Scotty really stepped in there, 14 rebounds for him. And it's just nice to see that energy, that sort of connectiveness. Um, there was, uh, you know, the, the the desire to to push the ball, the, um, you know, the the quick decision-making, um, the, the, the times where he's able to sort of pick his own spots. Like, this is, like, a very close and ideal Scotty Barnes game. The only thing he didn't really do was knock down some, some threes, but those are all shots within the rhythm. But... Didn't take a lot of mid-range jumpers. Um, was aggressive, and you know what? Like this is this is one of those nights where you look at the box score and you say plus thirty-four for Scotty in thirty-three minutes. That's exactly telling of sort of the way he played. He he really made no bad plays out there tonight, and hopefully you can build off of this again. Like you know, it's the magic, and and to be honest, like uh, this is just like genuinely out of all the games the Raptors have played this season, and there's been what twenty-three of them. This is the worst team I've seen. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, you got to build on this momentum as a team and, and, you know, hopefully take some of the pressure off yourselves, get back in the win column, stay above 500, and, and at the same time preparing because you know opponents are going to be tougher than this. So I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to look at some of the quotes that have come out from the locker room. I'm sure it'll be a little bit cheerier than what it was uh, last game, and uh, I'll try to bring them to you after this break. So you've been listening to uh, the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Welcome back to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Continue to recap the Toronto Raptors 121 to 108 win over the Orlando Magic, keeping the Raptors once again above 500 um, after their recent two game slide, which I, I would say we should forget about it, but we should really keep that in mind. Like, you know, I, I think it is a good reminder to the team that, like, you know, things do need to be fixed and improved. But clearly tonight, you know, no issues. Uh, Orlando. They're just bad. I don't know how many times I want to say it on the show, but they just like they make silly plays after silly plays after silly plays. And uh, it was easy to beat them. I think um, one thing kind of lost amid all the excitement tonight uh, with the win is the fact that uh, Pascal Siakam has now joined the top five in Raptors history in terms of scoring. He has surpassed none other than Andrea Bargnani, uh, (laughs) who... I have to say, like, I, I know there was, like, excitement for Andrea in his first year. As, uh, and obviously, he was the first overall pick and stuff like that. And But, yeah, uh, just genuinely, just speaking to, to, to my childhood, like, one of the my least favorite Raptors, just in terms of the, the, the lack of commitment on the defensive end. But, hey, listen, um, Pascal joining Andrea. Andrea was at least a pretty good offensive player. Um, and, yeah, the top five now in Raptors scoring goes to Marta Rosen, obviously number one, Kyle Lowry, number two, Chris Bosh, number three, Vince Carter, and now Pascal. Pascal's got a long way to go before catching Vince. Um, right now he's about 3,000 points behind. I think you probably need him to be healthy uh, for about a year and a half for him to get to that point. 
uh, and then we'll see. But honestly, like there is, there has been a lot of growth in Pascal's game. Like when the Raptors drafted Pascal, there was no way that anyone could have seen what he's grown up into offensive. Like you even look at the game tonight, right? Like you have plays where Paolo is contesting him as hard as possible and Pascal's fading. There's probably a contact on the play. It doesn't even matter. He fades and he throws up the jumper and he's able to nail down contested jumpers, right? Like you have plays where, you know, he's he's using the spin move to his to great effect. He's he's looking for the mid-range jumper. He's looking for the pick and pop threes with Fred. Um he's looking to, to score in transition, you know, the the playmaking across the floor as well, but it's just the overall um the the overall growth in his game is just kind of absurd um to the point where now you're seeing him really get into that mid-range area and, and make it his own and draw fouls from there and use footwork and use fakes and obviously he's been uh, pretty good around the basket for his whole career but developing some signature moves right because every single guy on this list you're looking at Demar, Kyle, Chris, Vince like these guys all had signature moves that was able to get them buckets and in addition to the fact that they had physical advantages um you know that that were also able to help them but like they they were able to use their craft and their skill and that's how you score a lot of points in this league and um yeah, it's just it's been really fun to watch Pascal do it. Like obviously we've seen him come into the league and and grow and redefine himself as a as a player and I think that when you see a progression like that, it does remind you a lot of the the way Pascal uh, the way DeMar was able to level up. Like when DeMar came into the league, it was just a lot of dunks and wasn't able to shoot the, the jumpers effectively and and there were a lot of lean years there where a lot of people weren't even watching Raptor basketball, seeing DeMar DeRozan, you know, as part of the Young Guns crew of like playing with Amir Johnson and, and Sonny Weems and debating which one of those three of those, of those guys are going to be the best player long term. And obviously that answer was DeMar, but he put in so much work into his game to the point now where you look at him, he's still in the league, still one of the best players in the league. And DeMar is, is, is a testament to sort of how much work that you can do to build your craft. And I think Pascal, out of all the guys on this list ahead of him, reminds me the most of DeMar in that sense, right? That that commitment to continuously come back and improve the game and come back and improve the game. And we've already seen it this season. I think he's taken a level up. And obviously he didn't need his best game to beat Orlando tonight, but he did play great. And you look at the, the final box score for him, 26 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists, three steals. Like it's nothing. It's easy for him, right? And, and honestly, some of this, some of these matchups against Orlando probably is a little bit too easy for him. But at the same time, like, you know, uh, just congrats to him and just continue to watch him climb up those charts, especially if the Raptors, you know, continue in this direction. You know, it's already Pascal's team. It's probably going to remain Pascal's team for as long as Pascal wants to be around. And, you know, again, you have to really look far into the future, but, you know, uh, four or five more years of this, and, and you might be looking back at, at him approaching into that DeMar DeRozan territory. So congrats to Pascal. Uh, he was, he has, he has been excellent on the season and he was excellent here tonight. Um, what else from the post game that uh, that we have seen here? Um, you know, I, I think to uh, you know to pass along. Um, so Juancho Hernan Gomez actually sprained his ankle in the second quarter. He didn't actually come back into the game, but he stayed on the bench and was still involved and active and, and went through warmups and stuff like that. But uh, you know, there was a bit of a concern there because I thought Juancho came in actually did some pretty good things as he usually does. Uh, but, uh, you know, sprained his ankle on the offensive end and then tried to play through it and then kind of twisted it on the other side as well. A few possessions later, kind of just rolled it. His kind of foot got stuck on the court or shoe got stuck on the court. And, uh, yeah, he had to come out. Um, you know, trainer Scott McCullough came over and over immediately assessed him and stuff like that. I mean, there's been enough injuries with the Raptors. You just really hope that everyone's going to be relatively okay. Uh, but, yeah, um, 
you know, hopefully he's okay there. But at least X-rays were negative. And, and to be honest, it didn't look that serious considering the fact that they kept him in the game. They didn't take him off the back or anything like that. But, you know, we'll see on that front. Um, I think really when you think more on this game, it really is just a concern in terms of just could they have done more to get Gary going or Chris Boucher going. Again, like you were so comfortable and you were rolling to such a degree that it was sort of a little bit easy for you. But, um, yeah, I mean, to see Gary in the matchup off the bench against a guy like Terrence Ross, it was obviously not fair to compare. Like if Terrence played more minutes tonight, he could have easily scored like 30. I mean, he literally was seven for seven from the field and they were all jumpers, whether it was the four for four from three or like the mid range driving pull-ups, he was cashing everything, right? The only time you've really seen him do this obviously was, you know, one of the more random moments in Raptor history where, where he had 51 against the Clippers in a game where the Raptors ended up losing actually, which is kind of hilarious to think about. But, like, you know, T. Ross was sort of attacking and getting going, and there was, like, a springiness to his game, and it was very clear that he was going to look for his offense. Whereas on the other side, Gary was also looking for his offense, but just doesn't have that same natural fluidity that, that Terrence does. People forget that also Terrence, in addition to being a really, really great shooter, also has, like, uh, just game-changing athleticism. He doesn't necessarily always use it to to great degree on defense or even going strong in the paint, although he did have that infamous dunk against Kenneth Fareed for again, this is a bit of a throwback episode. If you remember that play, that was that's another all-time Raptor play. Uh, T Ross over for over Fareed. But you know, like Terrence is able to lift up and 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 be quick and and, and you know shoot over the top. Gary has to sort of settle for a lot more contested looks. And to be honest, it, it just didn't look like he was able to find his rhythm tonight. It wasn't kind of taking shots sort of in his favor or in turn. Um, you know, he he was in the game quite a bit, 28 minutes, but just wasn't able to to create much for himself or others. And, you know, I think there has to be some way that, okay, if the Raptors are going to consistently play Gary off the bench now, um, you know, is there some way to sort of emphasize him the way that, you know, uh, that, that Terrence Ross was emphasized with their magic? And to be honest, like, some of that probably has to come down to, to Gary as well, right? Like, you approach the game, you know, in a specific way. If you're going to be that bench gunner off the bench, like, obviously you're going to have hot and cold nights. You live with it. You just saw 35 off the bench, you know, two games ago, and now you're seeing two of 10 from the, up on the bench. So sometimes you got to rely on the jumpers to, to, to sustain your game. That does happen. But, you know, he, he is also not firing um, that efficiently this season. So we'll see on that front. Uh, I, I do wonder how much Gary is going to be long-term, um, in this role, and, and if so, if he is kept long-term in this role, I do wonder in terms of just, like, what the what the, the commitment will be, both from the team and also from Gary, because he is an impending free agent. But, you know, um, wasn't able to get the shots to drop today. It didn't really matter too much. And then the other thing is just, like, there was no... I, I don't know. I didn't see enough from Chris today either. I, I thought this was the matchup that Chris could have done really well in, right? Um, the Magic turned the ball over a lot. You know, Chris was able to get on, should be able to get on transition. Obviously, you need his rebounding in a game like this. He only had four rebounds. Um, and offensively, you know, it, it does seem like he's sort of taking some shots out of turn as well. Like the offense isn't flowing to him as much. He's not getting on the offensive glass as much of late recently. And so, you know, when the ball touches his hands, there is a bit of an anxiety to score in which I don't ever want to see Chris force it. Like most of the time, he's great at playing within the rhythm, within the flow of the game. You don't necessarily want to see him look for his offense as much as sort of he's done here. But, you know, I, I just didn't think that he got into the game as much as he could have. But again, like there's, it's so hard to nitpick with things like this. There's really no need for it either. Like the Raptors played really well. They turned the, the game over to their third stringers in the, you know, midway through the fourth quarter. At no point did you really feel like they were going to give the game away. Their, their main guys played really well. And, you know, you, you, you come away with the, 
with a pretty relaxing result. So, you know, with that said, I'm going to uh, hand out the three stars from tonight's game. So first star is obviously going to OG Anobi. OG was, uh, again, excellent. I just think that they should just continue to look for him more and more. Um, that's some of that it's, it's on OG as well. Like things like running out early in transition for an early post seal and then catching the ball and then making a play from there. Like it just cuts out all the more difficult aspects, right? Like sometimes when OG, especially when guys have been out recently, they've been like giving OG the ball on the perimeter. They, maybe they get him a screen. Maybe he attacks off the catch. Then he has to beat his man then beat the help defender and, and muscle his way in there and, and not get called for a charge, not get called for a travel, make the shot, not get blocked. Like it's so many different things, right? Whereas like, I think sometimes you can just see how easy the game can be for OG when he is cutting along um, baseline to baseline against the, the magic zone coverage or when he's getting on transition. It, it, it's just, it's pretty easy from the play. And I think that in general terms, like OG should always have an efficient night just based off of a how physically imposing he is around the basket he's able to finish quite a few times just for like dunks in the lane with no momentum behind him uh and also uh, the fact that guys are going to be able to find him in the corners for threes in transition off cuts you know like it's he played a great game and defensively too i mean you can't even overlook that part paolo has been averaging like 20 as a rookie so to hold him to nine points on two of eight shooting um and just put him under pressure all night like i think paolo's probably been used to getting his way with his physique and and he's able to sort of push guys around not so much against og not 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 so much against og og was stronger than him and i think and the same size as well and i thought paolo really struggled to find his offense so um yeah you know it's uh you know it, it was a good night for og Anobu who gets the first star second star is going to go to pascal 26 points eight rebounds 10 assists three steals didn't i mean very little wrong like even the times where I felt like, oh, he missed a, the chance to pass it here or there, you know, he was still able to sort of settle in the offense and get a good shot. So I don't really mind that. Um, and yeah, you know, passing Andrea, uh, pushing him one more stop, one more uh, spot down the the scoring charts. I do like it because again, I just personally, as growing up, was very annoyed with uh, with Andrea and some of those commercials as well. And then your third star from tonight's game is going to go to OJ or it's going to go to Scotty Barnes. Uh, Seventeen points, fourteen rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block. I loved it. Uh, even the block was really nice. Uh, uh, Caleb tried to take him baseline for a drive, and, and Scotty stuck with him and blocked him on the reverse side. Good anticipation on that front. A couple of steals, pressuring the ball. But it's just the overall energy and activity. Like, there was no, like, there was nothing of, like, the throw your hands up at guys or, um, you know, not, you know, take yourself out of plays or not sort of making your presence known. He did that for the whole game and the energy was there. And again, this reminded me so much of a lot of games he had last season. I think the rebounding is huge for him. He can do this at a more consistent level. The playmaking is always going to be there for him. Certain matchups, he's not going to be able to dominate in the post and stuff like that. We'll see. But like ultimately, yeah, 17, 14, uh, four and two and one. That's a pretty damn good uh, stat line for Scotty, who again was uh, eight to eight from uh, within the three point arc. Your Gerald Henderson award winner is going to go, with all due respect to Terrence Ross, who came in and, and hit all sorts of shots and was, you know, it was a bit of a nostalgic moment seeing him, to be honest. Like, he still got pretty good bonds with a lot of guys on the team and, and, and hugging the, the, the trainers and the, and the coaches, some of his former teammates as well. Um, even though he, he, he was traded for Surge, which, by the way, what a, that's a really nice trade. Uh, just, yeah, that's, that's a deal I would do 100 times out of 100, uh, with all due respect to Terrence. But still, like he, he clearly is a guy who's well-liked here, has a lot of connections still to this franchise. Um, but yeah, it's got to go to Bull Bull. Bull Bull was very entertaining. Like He is top-notch stuff. Like You need to, if you have a chance, 
to watch Bull Bull play, whether that's in person or on the TV and you're flipping around. And, and usually they stick Orlando Magic games at like 7 o'clock. You know, like Raptors games are usually 7.30. So you got a half an hour window to watch one of these crappy teams play at 7, uh, 7 p.m. Orlando is often one of those choices. Try to tune in to see Bull Bull. The highlights are really what it looks like throughout the course of the game. He makes plays that just don't make sense. Like you see a guy who's seven foot four, but actually handles the ball decently, right? Um, where he's able to uh, attack Scotty off the dribble, spin move, finish in the lane, and and you really can't contest him at the basket. Like you really have to just stop him before he starts to get going because he's just able to make moves. He's able to sort of take it end to end for dunks, and he's able to block. Fred. Like there's a play where Fred was like isolated against Bull Bull, right? Fred's like, okay. I'm five feet behind the three-point arc, and Bull Bull is like five feet below the three-point arc. I should have enough room to pull up for three, and Bull Bull just casually put his hand up and blocked him. Like, so there's stuff that, uh, you know, with with him, like, it, it's just kind of game-changing. Like, it doesn't really make sense in terms of the way you normally conceptualize the the, the, the physics of basketball, right? And so, especially with seeing Bull Bull going against Chris Boucher, like, it, it felt like at times they were playing a different sport, but they, they were just, uh, you know, everything that you like about Chris, uh, I think, you know, Bull has more of it, especially because he has the handles to go along with it. Now, of course, the Raptors eventually figured out, oh, okay, he's just going to try to dribble against us. Let's just poke free the ball. And as much as he does have a f- really nice functional handle, uh, the, he's still seven foot four dribbling a basketball. So the ball is going to travel a long time in between dribbles. He doesn't get that low. And so the Raptors are able to reach in. Pascal is able to swipe him. Fred is able to swipe him. Guys are able to still obviously counteract him. But he makes highlight plays. If you, if you, I mean, there should be no Orlando Magic highlights from any other player in this game other than from Bull Bull. He was, he was quite nice. So he's going to get the Joe Henderson Award. But, yeah, uh, the Raptors get back in the win column. I take care of business here at home against Orlando. And, uh, you know, they get a day off on Sunday. Um, they can go to the Giants of Africa Gala. I'm sure many of the players will be invited. See how many players end up going. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back to, to discuss the game. Uh, on Monday's episode of the Raptor Show, which you can tune in live between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern with myself and Alex Wong. And then after, afterwards, we will have the Raptors Reaction Podcast at, uh, when the Raptors take on the Boston Celtics, which will no doubt be a much, much, much more difficult test. But for now, I've been your host, Will Lou. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Great review. Subscribe. And uh, have a nice weekend.